And welcome once again for one billion Mondays in a row. You are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my laundry cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry, the proprietor of a long-running Greek family-style restaurant, American Caesar Enterprises. And I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, I am Noah Tarno, quiz master and uh, founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the these days virtual trivia game show spectacular. Noah, did you like the Spanakopita last week? We, we took a special pride in putting that together. He is lying, this guy. <laughs> Uh, I have, by the way, I have, I have decided a new mental space I'm getting my head in and I'm okay with this for the pandemic is 2020 I'm writing off, right? Mm -hmm. 2020, I will not get on an airplane. 2020, I will not eat inside a restaurant, which is fine with me because I'm not much of a foodie. That's never been a big joy of mine. And I'm okay with that. You know, there are certain things I am going to demand, although nothing I really haven't already demanded anyway. And, uh, you know, just so no more Greek restaurants for me for the time being. (laughs) I am okay with that. I am okay with that. As long as long as the election in November goes okay, uh-huh. uh, I am fine with that being 2020. But we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of that. Right I now. think you have a, a better chance of getting a decent uh, portion of Saganaki than a good uh, running election at this point. But but don't let me harsh you. Uh, okay, first Noah. of all, what is Saganaki? Saganaki is that, is that, a that real thing? yeah, it's that cheese they or, bring or out. I it, thought you were. It's like um, feta oh, yeah, you're right, or, you're or right. halloumi. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. Right, I'm but it, it. here's here's the thing about Saganaki. Flaming Greek cheese. Yes, okay. well, because they they douse a little bit of ouzo the liqueur and then they set that on fire so they bring it out to the table and they yell opa as they bring it out and then they put the fire out by squeezing two halves of a lemon over it so you have the uh different flavors you get the flavors of the ouzo the flavors of the cheese and the flavor of the lemon it's absolutely delightful uh yeah i know as soon as he said it i knew what you were talking about yeah okay well i mean maybe maybe Uh, a lot of our, our our maybe um you know I don't get it. Nation isn't aware, so it's good that we go over this. We're we're educating them. Yes. By the way, happy happy Fourth of July. We are recording this on the Fourth of July. Yes, that's uh, true. Remember, all nations matter. <laughs> I love that was a hashtag that was right. If you guys didn't see that yeah. by the time you listen to this, that was a hashtag that was running on Twitter. A lot of people were being shitty, but a good shitty, like the kind of shitty we love. Yeah, and well, I'm I'm I, down I, with that when people smart. when people get into that kind of business. It's Look, great. we've talked about this a lot, especially the last episode. You are more cynical than me. You are among the most cynical people I know. Uh, I still find beauty and hope where I can. We don't need to get into this. And frankly, I think you're not as you're deep down. You're not as cynical as you purport to be. Because if you were really that cynical, you wouldn't waste time blabbing to me about vampire tv show mockumentary comedies uh, i guess so you could say that <laughs> the vampire tv show documentary comedies mockumentary comedies mockumentary. is yeah. you know like that is my internal meter you know that's how i see the world is in in things like this 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 is the prism okay. with which i view the world but that's a great transition that you bring it up because this week we are talking about what something. are the odds it's only a couple of weeks out of date as is the standard operating <laughs> procedure for the show we're hitting something that is 
there's cooling that's on, on the downside of cooling but it's worth talking about anyway because you know like noah was was i would say largely in the dark even though i thought this was something that he'd be into <laughs> largely in the dark you guys can't see it but i'm patting myself on the back and i just dislocated my shoulder doing so we are discussing what we do in the shadows the tv series based on the movie of the same name from 2014 so this tv series is so far it's 20 episodes deep they've done two 10 episode seasons the last one just went off the air uh towards the end of june as they wrapped up season number two they were both and they just renewed it for season three yes yes and it was spring 19 spring 20 and i assume well actually that's not correct i shouldn't assume that's going to show up spring 2021 because that's really low angle chance of that happening but everything's been thrown into disorder everything's all fucked up but you will see a season three at some point so this is on the uh, network fx uh, no, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this, but FX came up with a comedy channel called FXX, which was supposed to be where the Simpsons were going to live. And I like have that. no memory of that. It was supposed to be your one-stop destination for edgy cable comedy. And I, I but just, it's all on Hulu. I just does anyone not watch it on Hulu? I, I mean, why, why don't they just fucking call it Hulu? I watched I mean, it I live. But I mean, first of all, we don't have TV. Live. I'm not boasting. We don't have TV here. We certainly don't have North American TV. <laughs> I don't even own a TV. I just you know I, I just go to the museums all the time. I just <laughs> I just go to the I go to the van the fun, I just, I just read proofs to write in my journal. Anyway, this is on FX, which is the cable component of well, the legitimate cable component of, of Fox. Uh, there's actually some good programming, but so this was spun off in 2014, as I said, from the movie of the same name, or the the movie itself was in 2014. It was spun off in 19. Right. So the movie was the brainchild of our good friend Taika Waititi, the Titan from New Zealand, who has completely come in and swept over pop culture with a with a vision, a, a gentle. Completely um, swept. He's he's writing Spider-Man comics now. He's completely swept. Over. Actually, you know what? You may you you joke, but that that kind of thing might have actually happened. He's he's you know he's a he nerd. Wrote Spider-Man comics? No, he's a nerd at heart. But I know he's on target to do a, a, a Star Wars movie, and he is you know he wrote the Thor yes. movie, so it's not too far to say that he he is our age. Your birthday is June fifteenth, seventy five. Mine's July fourteenth, seventy five. He's August sixteenth, seventy five. And you ready? You ready? You ready he would he would be the perfect third member of our team. We should ask him. You ready to have your I'm mind sure blown? You ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. He's a Jew. Yeah. What's this? Uh oh. That's yeah. His real name is Taika, Taika Cohen. David Cohen. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. His mother was Jewish. So is Waititi just bullshit or just? No, uh, that's his dad's name. Does he come by that honestly? So is Waititi his dad's name or is Cohen his dad? Cohen's his mom's name. Is mom. Mom is Maori. No, his, fa- his his mother is Jewish. Father was Maori. European stock. Uh, his dad was Maori, so he's half Jewish, half half Maori. Yeah. Waititi's maternal grandfather is of Russian Jewish heritage, and his paternal grandmother is of Irish heritage. He describes himself as a Polynesian Jew. Yeah, that's great. It's the only one of those you'll find. It, it, that is a. It's got to mean something somewhere along the line. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to unpack that now, but it, it, it's in there. Anyway, so yeah, the movie itself was directed by Taika Waititi, co-written by. Waititi. Oh, but guy, he played. He played. Thomas Kalmaku in Green Lantern. The original movie was co-written by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement. Jemaine Clement, as everybody knows from Flight of the Concords, from the HBO TV show, which was certainly buzzy. I guess you know about it or you don't, but if you do know about it, you're really into that kind of thing. This is, hopefully we'll get into this. There's a leitmotif here of this very specific brand of of New Zealand comedy that's entered the American airspace. It is very discernible in that it is gentle, it's quiet, 
It's uh, withdrawn. It's a little shy, but it's also very acerbic, funny, and a little absurdist, too. And that's certainly what this show has. And Taika Waititi's work, whether it's Hunt for the Wilder People or Jojo Rabbit or the movies he's made, the feature film work, uh, also has a lot of that same stuff. And Play the Concords, that was their stock and trade. Insidiously funny. That's what um, Jermaine Clement and and uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name at this point, did. Brett, 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 Brett McKenzie. Brett McKenzie, exactly. So this TV show stars, uh, it's a completely different cast from the movie, even though this TV show takes place in the same universe as the movie because the characters from the movie have recurred in the show, which I think is good. Really? Yeah. Uh, I missed those episodes. Well, I was the, watched, it was the fin- out of the 20 episodes, I think I watched eight or nine. It was the finale of season one had a big crossover. We, you know, Again, we'll get into that. So they recast this, and this is one of the smart things about the show is that they found UK comedians who, for the most part, American audiences were largely unfamiliar with. These are people who were battle-tested, really funny-type character people who we had never seen, so it was the perfect group of people to move over and to invent a whole universe out out of whole cloth. And not only that, but they're extremely good at what they do, especially in a genre slash fantasy type thing. What is it? There's three Englishmen uh, and two Americans who come on the show. Kevin Novak, who, as far as I know, was in a movie called uh, Four Lions, which was a great, dark, dark, dark terrorist satire from the early 2000s. Uh, Matt Berry, who has been, for me, a rock star for years. He was on The Mighty Boosh, and he was on Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, and he's been uh, Toast of London. A lot of people know this guy from Toast of London, which is an incredible show, which has shown on IFC. Natasia Dimitrio, who I hadn't seen until this show, but then I found she was also a character comedian from England. She's of Cypriot Greek descent, so she gets into that accent really well. And, but her, her regular accent sounds like she's from Hackney or something. Uh, this kid, Harvey Guillen, who's an American, um, I think he's Latino, and he plays the your familiar, the human who wants to be made into a vampire. and an, Who is really the the audience surrogate, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And the last guy is this, um, I think he was a Tim and Eric guy named Mark Proch. And he is the only one I knew. He had been Nate in the office. Yes, he was one of the, uh, the warehouse Psychic guys. in the last season, but... He has a great recurring role, um, possibly my favorite current show, Better Call Saul. Oh, I didn't know that. And, no shit. Oh, he's very, he plays a very similar character yeah. and like a little dweeby guy. He is by far my favorite character on this show. Oh, interesting. I fucking love that dude. He's good. But continue. It's, it's a narrow range. Oh, Not so that he can't do more, funny. but he's, he's really he's nailing so, it. But he's so specific, but so, I mean, his character, I think, is such a clever idea. But go ahead. Well, it is. It's that, like I said, he was a, I think Tim and Eric kind of discovered him. I think he started out doing stunts. Uh, he would show up as this character that's like Yo-Yo Master, and he got like on local news in Pennsylvania in character. They didn't know he was fucking around with them, but he was. And it's like, because he was he was like a shit taker that's that's great training for this kind of thing if you don't already know what this is the premise is it's a mockumentary about a share house full of vampires set in staten island it's actually shot in toronto but you know it's at, it's at night so you really can't tell the big difference between toronto and staten island sorry staten island uh and and the characters are venal <laughs> did so- i ever tell you by the way i'm gonna interrupt when we did the big quiz thing tv show with nyc life one of those tv networks everyone in new york gets we had a game called Staten Island Neighborhood or Middle Earth Kingdom. And the (laughs) fucking asshole production people who just swooped in to censor us Mm. were supposed to also do publicity and did jack shit. Those people get burned in hell. Sorry, I'm still angry about it. They vetoed that because they said it's making fun of Staten Island. Oh, 
Not only that, they vetoed a question, what are there more of, bridges connecting New York to Staten Island or bridges connecting Staten Island to all the other parts of the United States combined? They vetoed that because they said it was making fun of Staten Island. That's fine. So eventually it came to a point, in a TV game show about New York City, we couldn't mention Staten Island because it would be interpreted as making fun of them. Any question. These people were assholes. That's dumb as fuck. Yeah, uh, Larry, yes, so... I was going to say the house is filled with venal, self-absorbed, clueless, aggressively dumb vampires yeah. who are coddled by a human familiar who looks at the camera and is, again, like Noah said, the audience surrogate. So, yeah, I'm really interested in hearing what you uh, have to say, having this been your your big intro to the show. Yeah, I, I had barely heard of it. I don't even think I knew it was a comedy. I had never heard of the movie. So I watched a total of about, as I said, eight or nine episodes. Uh, yeah, this is funny. I mean... It's not my thing, and I don't know if I'm going to keep going, but it's well done. Um, I am not a vampire fan at all. I can't think of any... I mean, I, I watched all Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I liked it, but that was probably just peer pressure because several of my best friends are obsessed with Buffy. But, like, I watched it. I'm like, that was fun. I don't feel the need to go back. I don't feel the need to listen to podcasts now. I've never had any interest in vampire fiction. I always view vampires as, like, the scary monsters for girls, you know, the romance thing. I mean, lots of guys like them too, whatever. And I know there's more to that. This isn't my thing, but they get the details right. It's well acted. It's funny. The mockumentary format, they make work for them. Uh, I mentioned I like Mark Prox's character. Is that how you pronounce it? P-R-O-K-S-C-H. As much as I've heard. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a tough name, man. Good on him for not changing it for show business. The twist with him is the others are like your traditional Dracula-style European, uh, very dignified, wearing capes, fish out of water. Well, they're all they're all a bunch of Lestats, you know? That's kind of their thing. Right, right. Love it, first bite kind of comedy. Mark Prosh's character, just he works in some cubicle farm. He's just some average schlubby guy, and he's an energy vampire. So the way he feeds on people is he just goes up and annoys people and bores the <laughs> shit out of them and sucks their energy. He's so, he plays it so perfectly. And it's very emblematic of what I find particularly effective about the show, which is that it seems like a very limited concept, but somehow they, they keep it going because they get the details right. It's like, I'll make a comparison to punk rock in that it is a limited concept, but if you get the details right, there's an endless source of fun to be had. You know, I watched the first episode and about halfway through, I'm like, well, this is amusing, but like, this is a limited concept. This is like, you know, a 10 minute video on Funny or Die. Hey, imagine if classic old style vampires, you know, were on a reality show living together in Staten Island. Or, or a 90 minute and, documentary, a mockumentary that yeah, popped up in 2014 right. already. It just goes to show if you get the details right, you can. there's no such thing as a limited concept. And they make it work. And again, I'm not going to stick with it dedicatedly and, and be an exhaustive uh, completist and watch every episode. But it definitely was fun and it put a smile on my face. Um, another reason I think it defies the fact that it seems like a limited concept and maybe something I do think is a reason I won't really stick with it. It's really hard to build a world here. The concept doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. Other people can't know they're vampires. They can't go at it during the day. There's a lot of things that just don't work in this world. As they try to build a world, there's just a lot of holes. Because the jokes are funny, because the performances are solid, you, you, you care less than you would on most shows. There's a good mastery of the comedy of honesty. You know, the fish out of water thing. Oh, they, they run into a woman who has Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, your brain is demented. The foot in your mouth kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's not my thing, but it's funny. This is the number one thing we've done, period. And I brought this up. Really? Yeah, this, this is the best. So this, this is better than 
I'm trying to think of your favorites. Death Note. Yeah. Yep. And Eric Andre. Yep. Ryan's Jesus World. And, <laughs> Jesus and Marrow and sports and stacking. Smosh. It's even better than Orbeez, if you can believe it. By the way, Ryan's World was in my dream the other night. I can't remember exactly what context, but clearly I was dreaming about Ryan's you need, World. You need brain floss or brain bleach or something. We've done, I've. you know what? I'll take personal responsibility that I've done this to you, that this is what your dreams consist of. But yeah, th- this show is... At first, I was really skeptical because I thought it was... Uh, Jermaine Clement brought it to TV. Daika Waititi produced it, but Jermaine Clement was the father of its of its TV birth. And I kind of got a sad feeling like, oh, this guy has been in a bunch of movies that weren't really good. And he... The Flight of the Concords was a project that was more based on Brett McKenzie's guitar playing rather than Jermaine Clement, who I think had... I hated Flight of the Concords. I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. Oh, I, no. I, I Flight of the Concords is a subgenre of comedy that really annoys me of the comedians who I feel like are talking down to me and comedians who hate me. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was always the vibe. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I for... just felt like they thought they were better than I thought. Trojan I thought it was a part of Brooklyn that I was spending a lot of time in because I had a lot of friends who were out in Bushwick and Bed-Stuy, and that's where they shot it. And, and granted, it was a lot of American showrunners and comedians who were writing on the show, but they infused it with their kiwi sensibility which is why i thought jermaine clement like brett mckenzie is in a lane doing his thing he wrote the songs for the muppet the, to the two muppet movies that they did uh right, muppet right, most wanted etc the muppets and but jermaine clement is the guy who wanted to become a, a star either working in genre movies or big budget things and it never quite caught on so i thought oh he he wants to bring his greatest success which it was his biggest success this film that was this big cult sensation he just wanted to live inside of it and i thought oh boy uh, it, it's like, it, like you say, maybe this is enough to support a 90 minute movie, but do we want to watch this for a half hour a week for 10 weeks in a row? Fucked if I was wrong in that they managed to make this thing work because they transformed the premise of the show slightly to give it legs, to give it a broader arc. Also to change the goal is not just to go to 90 minutes. The goal is to go to five hours. How, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a bigger scale. They, they cast it differently. They brought in different actors. They they treat the actors differently. They shoot it differently. It was successfully adapted, which that's the problem with a lot of shows. When you're going from movie to TV, don't work because you're just recapitulating the movie as opposed to using the essence of the movie. The casting of these unknown actors, I thought, uh, between Kevin Novak, Matt Berry, Natasha Dimitrio, and, and Proksh, I think was was brilliant. That is the, I think the number one reason why this show soars is because they found people who are really good. We just haven't seen them before. So they didn't have to, they didn't have to warm up they didn't have to learn how to act they they were already ready to be incredibly funny at a high level i'll tell you something else this show has and the difference between the movie which again is a, is a sprint a 90 minute long sprint as opposed to a marathon of going through a tv series over two seasons the writing room has different talent the writing room has a couple of secret weapons in it there's this woman named stephanie robinson who was an emmy winner for atlanta and, and I think she's doing double duty on both of these shows. They're both FX projects. So she has been responsible for a lot of what we do in the Shadows Great High Watermarks too, just as she was for Atlanta. She was the only woman in, in, in Atlanta's writing room. There's a much more diverse writer's room for this show. And I think it, ha- it reflects the production. There are more women. There are more people of color. That's the thing. This show which looks like it is that Lestat sort of pasty European vampire thing, has a very polyglot writer's room. It is, it's like, that's the kind of sensibility that makes something successful. It's the casting, it's the writing, and I'm sure the fact that it's on FX gives them a little more leeway that they would not have 
it's not quite HBO, which has a different burden, and it definitely right. is not, it's not regular bullshit broadcast. Regular bullshit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they, they take some good chances. I mean, it's very bloody. It's very violent. It jokes, not violent, but it jokes about violence a lot. Laszlo has topiary sculptures of women's vaginas, which I find. And they're constantly, yeah, you know, like uh, it's filled with blood. You know, that thing is Harvey Guillen's um, uh, familiar character, Guillermo, has to do all the retrieval and the disposal of their bodies. And it's, it's, there's, there's a subplot. He's always looking for virgins to find them. So where does he find a virgin? He goes to LARPing meetups and comic cons all i can tell you is the larpers at my college got laid more than almost anyone else they were just having orgies and stuff but i've been robbed i say robbed what is the great emergency Shush! someone has stolen one of laszlo's songs that he wrote did you really write him when i lean yes i did i wrote this melody in 1852 why i mean here's the thing though i'm taking your word for it that this is really popular i didn't find a lot of think pieces on this I mean, I guess nerds are into it, and clearly it's successful enough that they're getting a third season. But is this a sensation? Yeah, no, it's. I, it, I don't it know. is definitely a sensation. I, I, is it? Do you say so? No. I, so why, 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 why does it work? Well, it's or why is it caught on? It's simple in the way we talk on this show. Why do some? Why do things work sometimes where it's not a loophole or a trap or or some sort of leisure domain? This show is funny. It's well written. It's well acted. It's well cast. It's progressive. You know, we didn't mention that Harvey Guillen's character is just he's queer and it's throwaway. It's just part of the. Code. Oh, I I missed that. That was yeah, never mentioned because it's thrown away. It's, episodes it's, I it's just he. I mean, he's there's no sexuality. He never talks about any kind of romance in the episodes I've seen. Yeah, no, he, he does. But again, it's like nobody talks about, I mean, they mentioned the two, what is it? Uh, Matt Berry and Natasha Dimitri's characters talk about being married and they talk about having vampire orgies, but that's over the top hetero bravado sexuality. And also Matt Berry's Laszlo character talks a lot about having lovers of all, you know, he's just been alive forever. And so he's fucked everything that moved. But nonetheless, it's like there's, there's a, a queer element to it, which is just thrown away. This is supernatural genre comedy too. So keep in mind that it it allows you to examine uh, all these little bits and pieces of folklore that we've had that are very popular. You get to do vampires, but they don't do sparkly, you know, nor do they have to be the fucking whatever that other show FX has, the one that's based on a Guillermo del Toro thing. This is taking the piss out of vampires, but still main it's having its cake and it's eating it too because you get to have vampires and you get to make fun of it and have it all the same. It's really hard to get all these things right. That's my point. I agree. It's... As I said earlier, it's about the quality. I mean, there's some sticky elements here. Vampires, regardless of what I think, people are always going to love vampires. They're they're a stock character, and people know that kind of shtick. You know, Laszlo is the dignified Lestat character, or is he Lestat? I never saw or read interview with a vampire. Yeah, I mean, but um, but he's you know, also Laszlo's the British. And he's an asshat too. You he's know? the rogue and the dandy, right? But he's a funny version of that. And uh, what's his name? Nandor is the more Transylvanian with the accent. I mean, they play off the accent. Just a voice like that. You don't expect to hear him say, This you know, fucking this, guy. This, he's got the little keychain that says, These, This fucking guy. <laughs> or like, what, what, what is that? You know, the, it's fish out of water, the juxtaposition of the uptight stock characters saying very normal human stuff you know dealing with boring data having these mundane conversations the very first scene he's like i would like to talk read a letter to you let us go into the lounge why can't you do it here but i want to do it in lounge well i i think it'd be more formal that way you know they're arguing about bullshit yeah which is stuff that started with these mockumentaries like the office or whatever really like the mundanity of life 
And of course, you juxtapose it with this completely non-mundane thing. Part of the reason I think the Colin character, Mark Proch's character, is so successful is he brings that mundanity to the fore. I mean, that's his power, is to talk to people about the dumbest bullshit you can imagine and suck their energy from them. It's, it's, his, it's his whole it's, purpose, essentially. Yeah. It's very clever in that it takes the mercenary idea but gets it right. You know, I'm going to compare it to really, really great rock and roll or punk rock in that people who complain punk rock is so simple, three chords, yeah, but it's what you do with it. You hit bullseye in the perfect way and you get it again this isn't my favorite thing ever but i get it it fucking works celeste was a familiar that i used to help out when she had too many bodies that she couldn't get rid of her master was a 12 year old girl she's been 12 for 150 years i'd say her job hasn't been easy she's paid her dues and she's a vampire now i'm so happy for her no let me ask you would you have liked uh these funny piss-taking vampires if you were a younger person i don't know you know i've never been into the vampires so it's not like i was more amenable to them then although who knows if twi- i mean i know twilight was a quote-unquote girl thing but if i feel like there's more vampires in the last 10 years than there were when we were kids so maybe i would have been more attuned to vampires right i, I might be into it more because i probably admire people like Jemaine clement and Taika Waititi more because at the time I fancy myself becoming one of those guys so I'd probably have more of a fondness or idolization of them uh so maybe I'd like it more but I, I think I'd pretty much be at the same spot it sounds like you couldn't possibly love this anymore yeah that's true um you know it grew on me because I liked it enough in the first season but I thought the second season was just stellar and will have its place among the pantheon of great tv shows if you've seen the Jackie Daytona episode I think that is just uh, yes I did watch that, that one that is just because the Vulcan article said that was a standout mark episode. hamill it's a master class but again a show that doesn't a, an episode that doesn't the world building it doesn't make sense there's so much of that episode that just it doesn't stand up to scrutiny but it doesn't i mean but you gotta roll with it because it's funny it's you're right it's it's almost funny because it doesn't stand up to scrutiny it's almost it's so yeah, yeah. there's so many things that don't work it succeeds because of that not in spite of it i think i would have liked this for sure because i love genre as a kid you know like i think of the I'm trying to think of the closest thing I could think of was the Monster Squad. I don't know if you ever saw that movie in 85. I heard about it. I never saw it. It was a horror action comedy when they didn't really make too many of those things. And the Monster Squad mixed in all the monsters that existed in the Universal Pantheon, but it also did this. It it, it pissed on them. It made them ordinary. It made them stupid. It, like, you know, the guy came up and he kicked Wolfman in the balls, you know, and Wolfman would fall to his knees but there were some of those there was well there was mad monster party in the 60s you ever seen that movie no oh you gotta look up you gotta watch mad monster party i think it was claymation or some kind of you know not claymation it was like the the rankin bass movies yeah all the monsters are on a freaking uh cruise ship and there's an adventure there was the cartoons like the drac pack and all that well I mean, there was also right there was guys. also there's the uh, monsters uh, uh, Abbott and costello sake. meet the you know yeah. the, all that shit monsters too. in the adams family i mean is this yeah. an inheritor but i mean the like there the had been a big... i guess it is i guess it is i didn't think of it for the most part, this stuff had been reclaimed by horror and turned into very serious, dry stuff. And it was only allowed to be in the one lane until people said, oh, there's daylight and all these things. You could have comedy and you can do it kind of well. But also, I think that this has the same funny, like, beats per minute ratio that Python did, that that Zucker Abraham Zucker did. And all that stuff as a kid just hit me. Even if I didn't understand the depth of all that they were talking about, it was the rapidity. The fact that they were just paradiddling with drumsticks on my head 
and hit you with as much comedy as they did. You know, what I love and what I appreciate about comedy now more than anything else, and I realize we have a dearth of it now because they don't make comedic movies. They make four quadrant films. Thinking of a show, I guess it's easy to do this on TV. You know, when you, you, you literally write jokes into it, you aggressively punch it up and you try to make it funny so there's no downtime. And I think that younger audiences have lost track of what a comedy is because they expect, oh, this is where the car chase happens in the comedy. It's like, well, that's not that's not what a comedy used to be for a long time. That's only what a comedy turned into in the 2010s when they would only make them if you could make a billion dollars off of Pineapple Express. It's like, but, and those are not funny movies. Those are action films with jokes punched up into them. <laughs> well, like the Marvel movies, which even when they're very entertaining, are clearly like, all right, you got the action movie. Let's let's throw the jokes in. So, yeah, I mean, this this was in my wheelhouse of stuff I would have liked, which was Mystery Science Theater, uh, you know, which was all the stuff I liked as a, as a kid into a teenager was dense, dense stuff that was based on genre. That seemed like it was put together by smart people who were all giggling at the same influences. And, and I feel like we're all kind of on the same side here. Right here. We are playing a game that Guillermo made up. It's not a game. We have been burying bodies out here for ages. That's creating sink spots. It's Cosmo decomposing human cadavers. It's a wonderful game. It's a safety hazard. I'm winning. Is, uh, I, you know, I know what your answer here is going to be, but maybe maybe you'll find a surprising wrinkle to this, this question. Is the success of what we do in the shadows in any way a sign of the apocalypse? No, I don't think so. I think it is another great cultural product. Um, and, and it shows up in a place where I don't expect them. Uh, what would you call this? Basic cable, Noah? I mean, if it's Hulu slash FX. Uh, I, I, the, the whole concept of TV is just... I, I I never turn the TV on. Yeah. And if I do, it's to watch something online. Yeah, me too. Right? I, I, yeah. Like, I have I can't remember the last time there was a show that, like, I tuned in every week. So this is something I think that will age well. And here's the best part of this. Most projects that are great and have good DNA and good background they serve as a springboard for the people who are in there and they throw them into the marketplace and hopefully if these people are as good as they come across as being they will have a fruitful career i mean national lampoon did that with with their movies i mean it's seeded comedy for a long time and if anything this this is again another sign of another sign of why it's not the apocalypse is because this is not an american show in fact this is almost anything but american this was filmed in Toronto by guys who were from New Zealand, starring actors who were British. And granted, the writer's room is mostly American. But it's reassuring that these guys can make a product that stands on two legs and sells to, to an audience. And But it, it has a shitload of weird influences that we haven't seen a whole lot of. We're just at the beginning of getting people from all these other comedy cultures, you know, that are Anglophone. It's not like this is a German show. That just it's a different sensibility getting something from Auckland or getting these guys from Auckland or from from Stepney or wherever the fuck they come from. Yeah, I don't see what's apocalyptic about apocalyptian apocalyptoid acapapalapala apocalypto directed by mel gibson oh yes oh i forgot about that um it's good at worst it's harmless i do feel like i remember thinking a few years ago that the whole mockumentary style had reached saturation point and become really phony i liked modern family but since it clearly wasn't framed as a mockumentary the fact that they had these fourth wall breaking cutaways interview things on the couch i just thought was really lazy i have to wonder if mockumentary format is a sign of laziness if we're going to get to a point where everything has got to be the mockumentary form i hope not uh everything's got to be that little shaky camera or you cut to the characters 
stunned reaction. You see them for two seconds just looking at the camera, and then it zooms in on their face. Yeah. yeah. I think they get these camera work techniques. Again, I think they take basic things and do them well. So I worry about these things becoming so cliche that everyone's doing them and doing them well is just tiresome. Yeah, that's the one thing I'll, I'll get with you. It doesn't interrupt my ability to enjoy the show, but it's the one thing that seems stale. Yeah. Yeah, wondering, it's like, what would you have if you didn't play that card? You could do, you, you've proven to be so successful at being clever you could have been clever enough to get out of having to use that right. trope. But I don't really see it. I'm, I'm reaching. And also, you know, the episodes I watch, I can't think of an example. But I do worry sometimes that they, another lazy thing is um, filthy for filthy sake, right? That was my problem with Eric Andre. I like Eric Andre very much. Uh, after we did the Eric Andre episode, I watched his latest Netflix special. And it was funny. But way too much. He was just saying disgusting he was things. Scandalizing the audience. Yeah. You know, I'm really reaching here because I can't think of an example from what we do in the shadows. But you know, when you're making topiary sculptures of vulvas, I feel like you're you're getting close to that. But whatever, that's an original idea. Yeah. You know, topiary sculptures of sculptures of vulvas aren't exactly an idea that's been beaten to death. There's a there's a statement that's never been said before in human language. Yes. Hello, Nesla. What? Is that it? What? I've been gone ages, and all you can do is... Hello, Nesla. Please, you've been away for like one week. Are you kidding? I was a different person. I was Jackie Detona. I said, welcome back, didn't I? Fucking guy. All right, Noah, is there any part of you that's envious over this enterprise? Oh, totally. As I said before, I might be more into this when I was a kid because I would have wanted to be these guys. But I thought I had clever original comedy ideas. I thought I could create a character as indelible as Mark Prush's character. And I tried. I didn't get beyond square one. So it was, I'm still sad about that when I think about it. So I would have loved to have been playing in this comedy world. I couldn't even get a foot in the door. So yeah, I'm jealous. It's it's tough because everything you say, these guys, Taika Waititi is a comic book nerd. And I I think to a degree, Jermaine Clement must be, or at least he's very adjacent to it. I mean, obviously, Taika Waititi having done Thor, and he's doing the Thor sequel, and he's doing a Star Wars movie, and he was in The Mandalorian. His nerd uh, bona fides... Was he... Wait, he was in The Mandalorian? He did a mocap. He did a robot character. He was the assassin droid? He was the assassin droid. With a spinning head? Yeah, that was him. So the thing is, these guys managed to fuse a lot of the influences that we had as kids that you know we would have loved to have done oh man would it be hilarious if you had star wars but then there was someone who was in star wars sort of smirking but it still worked like what if you did that or what if you did the mighty thor and the mighty thor was funny but it still worked in the context of the mighty thor and it's like they did all these things and this they got to play out our childhood fantasy yeah sort of like they get the chance to have the uh toys they get the action figures but they're making better stories than the ones we kind of grew up with or at least it's still reverent. It's reverent that you uh, get the spirit of these folklore, this common storytelling thing we have. If it's the vampires or the, or the Thor or the Star Wars, you know, we all have paid into this this gigantic gestalt. And so these guys have managed to spin a fusion of all these things on their head. But they're still the Comic-Con guys. You know, like we would have loved to come up with fucking snarky vampires who were still funny, you know, sarcastic vampires, but it's not tedious. That would have been golden. And and I feel like watching movies or riffing like Mystery Science Theater, we thought of all those same things. It's just that we didn't make TV shows, but we would have loved to. And I think we congratulated ourselves on being in that same mold of like, my mind is on this too. 
except I'm just not nearly as good at this. And I didn't go anywhere in comedy or TV. I didn't even try. But there's that part of it that makes me think, if I was, this is exactly the kind of career I'd want. This is exactly the kind of sensibility. This is the thing I'd I'd want to be known for. I did try. Yeah. That's why I'm bitter and old right now. Well. But yeah, no, yeah, this is what you'd want to do. It looks like fun. This is the life, man. Yeah. And people are kissing their asses. Sure, exactly. it's great. All right, so on the Felonian yeah. scale, uh, I, I've already tipped my hand. Where would you put uh, what we do in the shadows? The FX. I, I mean, it's it, it's probably in the top. I mean, it's definitely in the top half, maybe the top quarter. You know, we never, well, you hated Hamilton. We never referenced Hamilton as one Which, of the by the way, dro- dropped just, on uh, Disney Plus either last night or yeah. to this morning. For yeah, Fourth. everyone's watched it. Yeah. 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 I, I know. I've got to watch it soon. This is below Hamilton for many reasons. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something else we looked at that I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good, but I don't care that much. Right? <laughs> And I can't, I'm sure there was like a dozen things yeah. we looked at that. I mean, maybe Fiona Apple, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like Fiona Apple level. Good, but you don't care. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, good, but I don't care. But, you know, I'll try it again. Or if someone wants to watch it with me, I'd be all over that, right? Yeah. You know. If, 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 uh, right, but it's, if, if it's you can not, assume someone yeah, I mean, else's enthusiasm yeah. for the project, that helps too. I need that, right. I need I need the encouragement because it is so not in my wheelhouse. But it is in my wheelhouse because it's good comedy. Do you have anything to add? Other, I mean, this is literally the best? Yeah, this is this is the literally the best. I mean, I, I love Death Vandal. Note. Death Note was great. I liked yeah. uh, Jesus and Marrow. I, liked I mean, the- I, I put this at where Death Note is. I feel similarly about this as Death okay. Note. Okay. Very, very well done, but just not my favorite. Right, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, this is for sure on top of the the heap. I've enjoyed this more than anything I've regularly had as part of my media diet. Wow. Especially this year. I had a lot of fun. Actually, it's fun. I I really enjoyed the Watchmen show on on HBO, which came out right before Christmas. Yes. We didn't do an episode on that. That was outstanding. It was outstanding. And yeah. But part of the reason it was outstanding for me, at least, was because I fucking love the Watchmen book. Mm -hmm. And it very smartly called back to that and referenced that. Well, great. Yeah, that that, that does that it. kills it, man. That is that is the end of it. No it. more podcast. You will watch again. I might watch yeah, I, again. Is I can't. I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, Kevin Novak, who plays Nandor, is on cameo. Okay. And I is this what you're gonna do from now on? Every single celebrity we look at, will he will he dress? Will he put the fangs in and dress up as Nandor he, and do a? Well, he did. That's the thing. A Nandor. Somebody greeting? on on Facebook. There's a uh, what we do in the shadow, what they call a fangs page, not a fans page, but a fangs page. And so they post the guy posted his cameo from Kevin Novak there. He did it in character. He went on for about five minutes. It was a happy Father's Day message. And I checked to see, oh, my God, how much was it? And it's like, obviously, he got slammed. It said not available. He must have a gigantic backlog. And so they had to take him out of circulation so he can actually fulfill. But I thought that was interesting. And it's like, okay. You know, you asked me at the end of that episode, is there anybody you would think of that you'd want to get a, a like Kevin Novak in, in the persona of, of Nandor, I would pay to get a cameo from. So really? I'll change my answer to that question. Right. Yeah. My birthday's coming up. My sister's like, what do you want for your birthday? Like, maybe I'll get you a cameo. And I'm like, I literally can't think of a cameo that I'd enjoy. <laughs> you need someone to think for like you. Yes. There is literally no one. Unless like Theodore Roosevelt came back from the dead. I really can't. And even then, I'd be kind of embarrassed. Like, really? This is how you're spending your time? You're not beating the shit out of Trump? I'd rather you do that, TR. Hunting Buffalo. Um, Well. uh, Yeah, well, you know, no one's perfect. Uh, Well, look, it's nice that you have something to get you out of bed in the morning, Mr. Cynicism. That's true. And and the, the, the hope of a new season of what we do in the shadows 
you know, on your behalf, I'll take it. Great. Good. So uh, with that, we come to an end of the episode. And if you'd like to find previous installments of this very show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review. You can find me on Twitter, blowing my, shooting my stupid mouth off all the time, at William Scurry. And I'm on YouTube. My video content is on youtube.com slash amcaesar. And now Noah. Bigquizthink.com, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events. Virtual right now, hopefully in person again soon. Busier than ever, but there's always room for your event. We are also very much... Uh, doing a lot of fundraisers these days for low or no cost for the causes we believe in. So please visit us at BigQuizThing.com, booking at BigQuizThing.com. Make the trivia magic happen for you. Let us help you help all of us. Thank you. So until me and Noah successfully pitch FX on an ongoing weekly TV series based on the George Hamilton vampire movie Love at First Bite, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.